you know, we're just normal people. And, you know, saying that, oh, you have a family or you have a stressful job or whatever is, is really just a limiting belief of not wanting to take the risk of getting into real estate investing. I so, I, yeah, you can you can start yeah. at any phase of your life. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, STR Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What's up, E? My brother. So good to see you. Currently dealing with some kind of landscape contractors from the house next door, which again, so is life sometimes, right? We, we can be mad or just let it flow and just it is what it is, right? But life is good, man. Big week for us. We just close on our second syndication up in charleston another 18 units on tuesday so nice. the guys are we're doing well with that our property manager that we have up there she's gonna help us with the transition sorry the noise but she's doing good i saw your house launch in orlando i'll let you talk about that yeah that was that was good man so that was like four and a half months worth of reno and build out and uh, we launched it last friday and within two hours, we got a, I'm not going to name drop because that's just kind of lame, but I got a very well-known major league baseball player that booked it for three weeks for spring training. So super pumped for that. I uh, got the charcuterie board. I always screw up how to say that and some wine and stuff like that for them. And uh, they were appreciative. So super pumped for that. That one's live. And now I'm making a play to buy another one up in the mountains in New Hampshire uh, where we've got another property. So we're, we're rocking and rolling, man. So things are good. And uh, as an update, like we talked about last week for the uh, Short-Term Rental Wealth Conference in Nashville, June 6th to 8th, uh, we have sold over 400 of those tickets already in the last 12 days. So out of the 1,400 of them are already gone. Uh, so if you're watching this live on Facebook, you literally have till midnight on Friday. Bill and I extended the super early bird discount. So it's only $397 through Friday. So take advantage of that. Uh, once Saturday hits, they go up by 200 bucks, which is still a deal, but you might as well save 200 bucks if you're planning to go. So you can go to strwealthconference.com, grab your tickets, and uh, looking forward to hanging out with everybody in Nashville in June. Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just as excited for today's guest, you know, honestly, because uh, we've we're talking offline. It's like, man, like I feel like we know each other already, but we haven't like actually connected. So today on the show, we have... Miss Avery Carl from the short-term shop. If you guys don't know who she is, Google her, look her up. She's kind of a big deal in the short-term rental space. She's been featured all over the place. She's the author of the short-term rental, long-term wealth book. She's the host of the short-term show podcast. She's the CEO of the short-term shop, and she's a real estate investor with 189 doors. So without further ado, Avery, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So let, let's walk it back. Like, you know, okay. Miss Avery Carl here. How did you get started? Like, what was the trigger? Like, what got you into real estate? And then how did that transition into short-term rentals? Well, it was an accident. As with most real estate investors, I don't think anybody 
when they're six years old says, I want to grow up and be a real estate investor. That'll be so cool. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, my husband and I were moving from New York City to Nashville. Uh, we live in Florida now, but um, we were living in Nashville at the time. And um, our real estate agent, we were buying a house because it's much more difficult to buy a house in New York City than it is in Nashville, or it was at the time. It's not easy anymore. And um, she was really trying to get us to buy in East Nashville, which is this like super hipster, fast appreciating area. And she was telling us that, oh, you know, people are making X amount cash and checks for like $100,000 within a year. Little did we know it was going to be like that in a few years anyway. But back then that was crazy money. And we're like, eh, no, you know, we just moved from New York. We don't really want any neighbors. We're moving to Tennessee. We're going to live out in the country. So we did. We bought a house out in the country, but then we kind of looked at each other and said, you know, maybe there's something to that appreciation thing. And we've got a little money left. Let's buy one of those. And then maybe one day when we have kids and they have to go to college that we'll sell this house and it will be, it will have appreciated enough that we don't have to pay for their college out of pocket, which little did we know that was this really stupid reason to invest in anything, but we did it uh, without doing any research. We bought a house uh, and it actually was a really, really great one. Uh, it was a long-term rental and uh, the mortgage on that was about six fifty dollars a month and we were able to rent it for $1,500 a month. So it was really good for a little $120,000 house. And at that point, after we'd already spent the money, we thought, oh, we want to build a business out of this. We want to be, we, wanna, we didn't even know it was called real estate investing at the time. We just kind of pulled the trigger and, and learned as we went. And so then we started educating ourselves and learning and listening to podcasts and reading all the books. And so we had just enough money left for the down payment on one single family home. So we couldn't jump right into multi or anything like that. And so we thought, well, what can we buy that's going to make us the most amount of money the fastest so that we can then go buy more faster? And so we landed on short-term rentals. Um, we didn't want to do it in Nashville. We knew that much because the regulations are just so volatile. I know there are plenty of people making money in Nashville, but it just scared us at the time being new. So we thought, well, where can we buy something that it's the normal thing for people to go there and stay in a house or something that's not a hotel. And we had just been to the Smoky Mountains a few weeks earlier. And we said, well, we stayed in a cabin. Everybody stays in cabins when they go there. Somebody owns these cabins. Why can't it be us? So um, we bought one. And back then there weren't all of the education tools that there are now. You know, there weren't really any courses. There weren't really any people doing education on this topic. So we, again, just kind of had to figure out how to do it on our own. We knew we could do it from... Nashville remotely. We we knew we didn't want to pay a property manager because in that market at the time, this like the standard was 40% of your gross. And you know, we were in it to really scale and and bootstrap and save all that cash flow. So that wasn't going to work for us. So we figured out how to do it remotely, just set up some systems. And luckily that one went really well as well. So we scaled that into five short-term rentals in the Smokies over the next 18 months. And over the past five years have not lived off of our rental income at all. We spend every dollar that we make on real estate and put it back into real estate. So our houses buy the houses. And now we are at 189 doors. Eight of them are short terms. And we just kind of use our short terms as kind of cash flow turbochargers to be able to build our portfolio in other ways or buy more short terms. There's no wrong way to do it, but we like to have a diverse portfolio. I love it. What was the timeline from like when you guys started to getting to 189 doors? Five and a half years. Think of that, guys. Five and a half years from zero to 189, right? And like when we talk about it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But like, really think about that. That's incredible. Like, that is seriously incredible. Like, most people don't have that size portfolio in a lifetime. And you guys also like have like 
a bunch of kids and you do a bunch of stuff, right? Like you're not, it's just, <laughs> no, you and Luke and like, because I think also that yeah. makes a difference to know, right? Cause like a lot of people don't realize that you guys did this with a whole life, a family going mm -hmm. on trips, taking care of things. Cause people are like, sometimes they're like, oh, well you're, you're like 32, you and Tasha don't have a kid yet. So literally Tasha and I, all we do is this, right? So we can stay hundred percent mm -hmm. concentrated, which is one thing, but the reality is like, you did it with a mm -hmm. bunch of things going on. And that's the most impressive thing, right? It's just, there is no, once you find a way then you start doing it. And I love also that, I guess, very rock and roll of you guys. You're like, ah, whatever, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Right. And you just like, and you make it happen. But like the reality is like up until not too long ago, up until there were people like Avery writing books and Mike having courses, like that's how people learned, right? Like before YouTube university, like people were just like, I want to do this. And you're like, okay, then go and do it. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. And we've always been just kind of pull the trigger first and then ask questions later kind of people and learn as we go. And um, for us at the time, like there, there's I get targeted ads for uh, people's YouTube channels and stuff all the time. Like, man, I wish that had existed when we started. Uh, it would have made things a lot easier. But, you know, we learned as we went and uh, we were able to we're all about systems and, and building systems and just managing the systems rather than managing the properties. And, you know, we're just normal people. And, you know, saying that, oh, you have a family or you have a stressful job or whatever is, is really just a limiting belief of not wanting to take the risk of getting into real estate investing. I so uh, yeah, you can you can start yeah. at any phase of your life. 100%. So what does your day to day look like now between you and Luke? Like, do you guys both work in the business? Because I assume that the other units are long term rentals, as you said. So do you guys have a manager there? Or you guys do self manage for that as well? Our long-term rentals, 100% managers. I'm all about property managers for long-terms, but for short-terms, it's just too much money for the actual work that it is. Uh, so we self-manage all of our short-terms. So for us, I work mainly on the brokerage side of our business, running the short-term shop, and he works on the education side. So I'm the upfront sales side of, of the short-term shop. And then he is the educator who teaches all of our clients how to run their properties remotely. And then he handles our personal portfolio. So he's the one finding deals and getting through contracts and doing due diligence and all that. Love it. Sounds like a dynamic duo. That's great. That's great. So <laughs> we're, powerhouse. we, we talk sure. a lot about systems on here and I'm glad that you brought that up right from the gate. Cause I think a lot of people get into this with not really a business mindset. It's kind of like, Oh, this is a cool side hustle. Grab a property, throw it up on Airbnb and just, you know, we'll make some money or whatever. So I guess if you backtrack and then kind of move forward through now, like what does that look like, right? A lot of people get confused around like, what is a system? Is that like a piece of software or what does that mean? So like if we break that down for you guys, like when you talk about the systems that you have in your business now, like what does that look like? So anything can be a system, not just, you know, a piece of software. Like our house is a tall, skinny, three-story like beach house and, uh, our systems in the house because we have little kids instead of running up and down three stories to their bedrooms to get all their clothes. We have clothes on in a closet on every level of the house. So we always have easy access to clothes to get or what, what have you diapers, et cetera, on every level. So systems aren't just pieces of software for us. The software that we use for property management for our short term rentals is guesty for hosts. And then we also use price labs. Uh, but in terms of outside of the actual software, 
Uh, we do have a VA who helps us now. Um, he's not full-time with our short-term rentals, although he does manage the short-term rentals. And having taught him how to run that so that we can pay attention to other things like acquiring more properties is part of our larger system. And um, a lot of people, I think VAs are a really great way to leverage once you get a larger portfolio of short terms. Um, but I think a lot of people want to jump to that a little too quickly. Like they don't learn it. They don't become an expert in what they're doing themselves first before teaching their VA. And that's where you can kind of run into some snags. So our systems are delegating to, I have three assistants on the brokerage side, but just making sure that this is what, what we're doing every day. So when Luke comes in on our managing our portfolio side, uh, comes in his office every day. He's, you know, checking his email, seeing if there's any deals there. Okay. If there's not any new deals that are high priority that we want to pursue. Then we are uh, looking at whatever due diligence we have going on uh, for the week. And um, his assistant, his VA is kind of taking care of all of the property management stuff for the short terms. If there's anything pressing, like, Hey, something needs to be addressed quickly, then it, he rolls it up to Luke. So, I mean, literally everything's a system, not just software. Thank you for clarifying yeah. that. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I think a lot of people think, Oh, I need all this tech. And I'm like, no, it's honestly as simple as like, having a Google doc of like, how do you do this process step-by-step? Step? So like you said, once you master it, document it with like steps and screenshots and a loom video or whatever. So then when you bring on that virtual assistant, it's like, Hey, here's all these trainings. I'll walk you through it. And then they have this manual, just like any big company would, you just got to treat yourself like a company. And, Absolutely. And, but, but, loom around here. <laughs> but I also love the example of the clothes for the kids, right? Because I think highly successful people, what I've seen over time is they, they realize the things that carry any kind of friction in their life, right? And that goes from as simple as like how you buy things, right? You buy things in a bulk, you buy things with a subscription. So they automatically come and you start creating systems everywhere. And like, I think, I don't know when it happened, but there's this bad label, but like being overly like systematize that people are like oh you don't live in flow you don't live in thing but in reality it's just like it allows you to be an ultimate flow because everything is handled and that's what you have exactly. to own is the fact that like your highest and best use is not to remember is not to walk up and down the stairs to get clothes for the kids your highest and mm -hmm. best use is like i'm gonna hang out with my kids i'm not gonna be frustrated because i have to go walk up and down this is what puts me in the best headspace to be the best mom or dad for my kids right and so when you start Absolutely. looking at your life like that, you start creating a lot of space. And now I understand even more how 189 units happen in five and a half years. Because if you start systematizing everything else, then you and Luke have time to do your highest and best use, which for Luke is looking and sourcing properties. And for you is to just run the rest of the empire. Exactly. And we do it with everything. So we have a refrigerator with waters and snacks on every single floor. So if anybody needs anything at any time, like the playrooms on the basement level, everybody's bedrooms are on the top level. So nobody's having to run up and down stairs a hundred times. So we noticed, okay, we're spending a lot of time running up and down the stairs to get stuff. Let's have something on every floor. So yeah, it definitely makes it easier. Brilliant. I love, I it. love yeah. that. So you, you've grown a massive brokerage as well really, you know, that really caters to this niche of short-term rentals. So how many markets are you guys in now? Because I think it started with the Smokies, right? And then it mm -hmm. branched out from there. Yeah, started with the Smokies and then the Emerald Coast. So Destin, Panama City area, and then has branched out from there. We're in 11 markets currently. I love it. I love it. And I'm curious on your take on, because everything is just 
a lot of different markets have really exploded the last couple of years, especially the Smokies. I mean, Smokies, yeah. 30A, both of those, I mean, have exploded. Um, yeah. I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because people <laughs> are going to want to hear it from you. Right. Because okay. again, the limiting beliefs are, oh, if a market's hot, like I can't find a deal. Right. And mm -hmm. I'm not even going to pre-frame it. I want to hear it from you, okay. I guess. It's like when people come to you and, and have those beliefs, what's your advice for them? Or is it like, you know what, we should look at this market or maybe we, we can find a deal. Right. Right. Yeah. So there are no matter what cycle real estate is in or what what part of the cycle it's in, the top or the bottom or the middle, the deals are always there. It's just it, there's different problems at different points in the cycle. So like in 2008, there were deals everywhere, but nobody had any money. Now everybody's got money, but it's hard to find deals. So uh, you have to be a little creative. And you have I think a lot of people, too, especially when they're listening to investors who've been doing it for a while, the investors who've been doing it for a while, like myself, like when I started, there were just 20 great deals laying around on the MLS in the Smokies at any given time. And in 2018, 2019, uh, when we bought a couple, I mean, we were there. We have one or two properties that got a hundred percent cash on cash return back then. Obviously, that is an absolutely absurd number and does not exist. That is a unicorn that like craps rainbows that doesn't exist. But now the deals are still out there, but they're, they're not just laying around. Like you have to be persistent. You have to be patient. No, they're not going to be 100% cash on cash return, but you can still get 30, which is great. Like that's better than the multifamilies that we're buying and other, and other things. It's still better than any other asset class. However, that's kind of why we are we operate in multiple markets so that if we have a client who's like having a particularly hard time and not necessarily finding a deal, but if like this, we'll take the Smokies, for example, a lot of times it's so competitive there that people are having to go 50, 75,000 over asking. And a lot of times it will still cash flow really well at that price. But what we don't want is for our investors to go that high just to win. And then they're in such a negative headspace now that they can't sleep at night because they're so worried about it. So somebody like that, we would probably pivot to another market with and say, hey, you know, it's a little, it's a little calmer here. So we want you to be comfortable so that you can be successful because the goal is not to not be able to sleep at night because you're so anxious. Uh, the goal is to, to cash flow and be comfortable enough with it to buy more. So patience and persistence is most important uh, the way the market is right now, creativity and really real estate is all about relationships. So uh, who you know makes or who you're friends with makes a, a big difference in terms of being able to get deals and deals getting past your way when we get off market stuff, like the clients who are really nice to us, who are good to work with, like that's who I'm going to pass it to first because I like working with them. Not necessarily the person who I know has the most money because they aren't always the person who we want to work with. We want to work with people who are nice to us, just like anybody. And uh, so relationships really make a big difference. And it's worked for us on the other end too. So when we're buyers coming into a new asset class, like last year, we started buying 12 to 25 unit multis and we did didn't know anything about multis. So we were coming in as newbies and saying, hey guys, like we know a lot about real estate. We're very experienced in other asset classes, but we are new and we're going to need your help in getting through this deal. But I promise you we're going to be good to work with and we're going to buy, buy multiple properties, but we might need to rely on your experience here. And um, we actually invested a little bit into a an investor syndication in the Midwest because 
we wanted to build a relationship. So we threw a few bucks into their syndication. And next thing we know, they're passing us two or three of the properties that they are that are smaller that they're trying to 1031 exchange out of to buy bigger properties for that syndication. So we built that relationship and it rewarded us, you know, tenfold with properties that were ours personally that we don't have partners on that aren't part of the syndication. So relationships are everything. I, I tell I tell my students that all the time. It's all about I call it like planting seeds. Like you just want to keep planting these seeds, you know, and building those different relationships all over the place. And like you said, like treat everybody with respect, whether it's the agent, the lender, your cleaners, your contractors, like treat them like human beings and build those relationships because when you do, you're going to get first dibs on stuff and people are going to want to help you. And they're want, they're going to want to go the extra mile to help you close a deal or help you turn a property when something crazy happens, that's out of your control. Right. So it's just basic business fundamentals. It's just being a good human at the end of the day, but it pays <laughs> dividends. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious now, so you, you've got a large portfolio, huge brokerage that's blown up featured. You've got, books now you've been featured on bigger pockets all these different amazing things what's what's the vision for a short-term shop going forward like where do, what are you guys seeing on the horizon for you uh we are looking to get into another several markets this year um i personally just kind of i've i've had to be really reactive in my side of the business for the past few years so i'd like to get to the point where i'm not having to like just be pulled in a hundred different directions all the time and take a little more control of my personal day to day uh, and send things in the direction that I want them to without having to be like kind of ping ponged around. So uh, my goal is I need to get that side of things, at least my personal day to day, a little more uh, streamlined. <laughs> so that's my goal this year is to get a little more organized personally. What what does you going into a new market look like? So like you have a brokerage, obviously, right? So like do you enroll a broker in that local market or or how do you create your your team on the ground over there that's a really good question so i do have to clarify so i don't get in trouble with exp uh, the short-term shop is a team within exp um have to say that or else i get in trouble and uh but <laughs> yeah yeah so uh when we're going into a new market so we have really specific criteria for markets that we choose to go into we focus on regional drivable vacation like tourism destination so like the for example the ones we're in now are the smokies emerald coast uh blue ridge georgia gulf shores alabama broken bow oklahoma a bunch of other ones so we focus on areas where it's pretty dependent on tourism not a ton of hotel presence with the exception of orlando we're in the disney market but that's kind of a hybrid market it's definitely its own thing that kind of doesn't fit into the category but um anyway we try to focus on markets that are mature vacation rental markets. So areas that it's been the normal thing for people to come rent cabins, condos, beach houses rather than hotels. So we try to focus on areas that don't have a lot of hotel presence and the areas where short-term rentals have been around since well before Airbnb and VRBO, since the internet. Uh, I live in Destin now and we've had vacation rentals since before there was electricity here. So um, we focus, try to focus on areas like that where the regulations will be very favorable. We did have an office in Nashville when I when we first started, but I shut that down because we just had too many clients that would like ended up in lawsuits with developers and lawsuits with the city, the city and like the zoning keeps changing and all that. So we we're like, you know, we don't want our clients to have to deal with all this extra stuff. We want them to just be able to invest, 
there's a few rules to follow, but you don't have to worry about them coming and taking your permit away. So that's kind of what we focus on. And then uh, in terms of actually the, the process of the agents, so we hire local experts who um, we're looking more for people who have experience and just coming from the mindset of real estate investing more so than like, oh, I've been a real estate agent for 20 years selling primary homes. The mindset of an investor typically fits much better with what our clients are looking to do than, you know, somebody who has a ton of real estate sales experience, but doesn't really know too much about investing. Um, that type of personality doesn't work as much. So um, we're looking for local experts who at least if they don't aren't already investors at least have an interest in it and know a lot about it so um that's kind of how that works and my kind of next question on that is what comes first kind of the chicken or the egg meaning do you start looking at market yourself or do clients that you already have start being like hey avery kind of like this market and then if you get enough requests you're like okay i'll look into it or what comes first uh, it's gone both ways. Okay. Yeah. It's gone both ways in the past. So there have been times that I've said, okay, we need to get into this market. This will be a great one. And then there have been times like, um, with broken bow that enough of our clients were asking about it. I wasn't really paying attention to it, but enough of them were asking that I was like, well, maybe I need to look into this. So I look into it and think, oh, well, this really does make great sense. Let's do this. Or I've even had, um, past clients who are agents in other markets that would work that were not on my radar, like uh, Galveston and Crystal Beach, Texas. And they'll say, hey, you know, ours in the Smokies is doing this. We also own one here in Crystal Beach. It's a really great place to invest. You should check it out. And then they'll pitch me on the market and we'll look into it. And we're like, oh my God, this market's great. And so we hire them there. So uh, it can come from anywhere, from us, the clients or agents in the market that are like, hey, do you want to expand here? This is what we have to offer. I'd love to work for you. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Man, I, there's so many different directions that I can Yeah, go, I have so I, many I, questions as well. I want to try and <laughs> keep us, keep us. Yeah. On a, and I also am trying to think in the sense of questions. I'm like, that this is the, this is the problem with Mike and I, right? Because we're generally also always learners, right? So it's very hard for me sometimes when, especially when there's somebody that are like me is more interested in, right? And our businesses <laughs> are more in alignment to not ask questions for E, but to also think about like, the greater good of the people listening. And I'm like, <laughs> this question is definitely for me. So I'm not going to ask it. Maybe I should ask this question. And I think Mike, if you don't have anything, I have one that could work, which is when let's say that there is not you in a specific market, how would you suggest somebody goes about finding an agent? So we talked already touched on a couple of things, mm -hmm. right? Like an investor agent is probably like a good, good place for you to get going on. But have you found specific questions that maybe you teach your clients or that our listeners, if they're looking to expand in a market that they're not familiar with, they can ask to kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a really great question. So um, a lot of times, like if you're just Googling real estate agent in X market, the top agents that come up will not necessarily be the best ones for you because a lot of times, especially if it's a Metro market where primarily, uh, in not investment. So primarily primary homes are being bought and sold. A lot of them are going to be people that focus on primary homes. So you, when you find an agent, you're interviewing an agent, you want to ask them a, like how many deals they did last year, because the way the market is right now, uh, if there's somebody who only did like does three deals a year, they're going to be really behind the curve on how, what it takes to win offers right now than an agent who's like, you know, writing 10 offers a week and really understanding and is really plugged into 
okay, this is kind of what's winning right now. This seems to be most important. This is what the listing agents are are looking for at the moment rather than somebody who's been kind of unplugged. Uh, and then once you find out how many deals they did, I would then ask them how many of those were primary homes and how many of those were investment homes, because it's great if they did, you know, a hundred deals last year, primary homes, that's, you know, that's an agent that knows what they're doing, but it's not the asset class that you're buying in. So if somebody came to me and said, Hey, uh, I'm looking for a 30 unit multi, can you help me? Like terrible, terrible idea. That's not me. I don't, I'm not in that world. Uh, I can do the deal. I have the license, but I'm not the person that specializes in that. I would be doing you a disservice by trying to do that. So <clears throat> you want to look for an agent that specializes in the asset class that you're working in. Or, you know, I understand that sometimes towns are smaller and they have to do both to make a living. But as long as they have, you know, if half their deals were investments, great. But if only three of them out of 100 were, then maybe not so great. And then this one, it the last question, it this is not a deal breaker, but ask them if they own investment properties. They don't have to as long as they have have experience in it. But it's definitely if they own investment properties, that's an agent that has been in the seat that you are in. They understand the stresses and the anxiety, especially when you're buying in a new market. I think everyone, even the nicest people in the world, kind of turn into the worst version of themselves when they're buying real estate because it's a, you know, it's a big purchase. It's a lot of money and you're going to be owning it probably for a long time. And you there's the anxiety of like, oh, am I making the right decision? So somebody who understands that and can be empathetic because they've been there before is definitely helpful. Yeah, I love that. And I also I also have found over time that the other point that you you kind of brought up, it's it's super valuable and it comes from a lot of experience, but it's the fact that like I have now become very wary if I tell somebody, do you do this? And they do everything, right? Because it's the whole thing. It's just like, okay, like have you actually mastered any of those things? And really understanding that like, because sometimes, especially in our market now, is what you were saying earlier about the Smokies as well. If you're an agent that knows and that knows the market and knows the SDR space, Maybe you have the wiggle to pay 20, 30 extra K because you really know your market and you know what you can do with a specific property that would make that in the long term such a like small investment for how big of a return you can actually get. Whereas if you are not kind of familiar, right? We had a guest here earlier that I think you might have helped buy in the Smokies, right? Yeah, I think they bought with you guys at the beginning. Oh, Kale? Oh, yeah, Kale. yeah. Yeah, yeah so we love him. Talking about, talking about Kale lovely person and he's like okay this first house i'm buying underwriting at 85k but i can add two extra bedrooms and get it to like 145 150. i assume a lot of that input came from people like like you and luke that you're like hey this is here but if you put this extra two bedrooms here you can blow the air dna numbers out of the water personal experience plus market knowledge that's how you win and any normal residential realtor not because they mean badly. They just don't know what they don't know. So there is no way of them helping them. So really being super specific to what you're looking for makes such a difference. Totally. One, one thing I, I want to ask, completely different topic, but I think it's really relevant. And I'm curious if you see this, <clears throat> but people ask me all the time about partnering on deals, right? And especially in a place like the Smokies where prices have gone up and the entry point is a bit higher now. Have you worked with folks that have partnered with friends or family on deals? And if so, like, what's the advice you give them? Because I, I have a, I have a serious sit down with people before they do that. Um, mm -hmm. Just so everybody's clear. But I'm curious, like, if you've had any of those experiences. 
Yes. So we've worked with a lot of clients who have done partnerships. Uh, We did one ourselves when we started and ours went really well, but we were very careful to make sure that it did go well. And we ended up exiting uh, and he bought us out and we 1031 exchanged into a bigger property. So it worked great. There was no, nothing went sideways, but a lot of stuff can go sideways. So what I try to tell people is like, uh, like we had somebody maybe a week or two ago that there were four or five of them that wanted to partner on one property. And uh, there's not only the element of like, okay, yes, you need to have a, an operating agreement written by an attorney, because even if you're partnering with your mom, you need something that says, if X happens, Y is what we're going to do. Even if something doesn't like, if you don't get mad at each other and like want to have a, a divorce, it's still, there are things that can happen that you will need to make decisions on. And that needs to be laid out up front. There's also an element of too many cooks in the kitchen. Like even just Luke and I co-managing our short-term rentals at the beginning ended up not going well, which was why it switched only to Luke because it's just different personality types with too many hands in the cookie jar. So for example, my husband is a New Yorker. He's very abrasive. He's like handles business by like slamming people's face into a car door. And I handle it like I'm very, very Southern and I'm overly apologetic. I don't want anyone to be uncomfortable. I will light myself on fire to make sure that you are warm. And so if a guest, for example, message something and I thought he was totally rude and I'm like, oh my God, that was so rude. Why did you do that? Or he thought that I was too soft with him and he's, and now they're going to take advantage of us. Way to go. So it's just easier for one person to do that. So you kind of want to be careful with having too many partners because, you know, that's just two personalities and we're married and know how to deal with each other. When you add several more and the relationship is more distant than a married couple, there's a lot to get into there. And for me, Our partnership that we had on two properties worked in the beginning, but it's not an end goal because there wasn't enough meat on the bone. It worked for us then because it was a means to an end. It was a little bit of income, which is what we needed. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit to to snowball, but it was not the end goal. The end goal, we needed more meat on the bone than what we were getting in a partnership. So they can work, but I don't think that they should be like, the end goal. They should be a means to an end, just like arbitrage. Great idea to get some cash flow going when you need it. But the end goal is to own it yourself personally, and that be it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Because well, yeah. pretty much what I tell people too is like, you just need to like iron out, especially the cooks in the kitchen. And then it's like, all right, well, if somebody wants to refi or sell this thing in two years, what happens if the other person doesn't? Right. And it just causes this friction that a lot of people don't think as far down the line of like, what's the strategy? What's our vision? Are we aligned with everything? It can work great if you're fully aligned. And I've got some great partnerships, but I've also seen a lot crash and burn. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they don't like to have those difficult conversations up front. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. I love it. I love it. Well, time is flying by here and I want to be respectful of your time. Mm -hmm. So, before we get into the last question, first, I want to acknowledge you and thank you for coming on here and being so open and for, all the the wisdom and knowledge that you guys have shared and all the content that you guys put out there to help people succeed in this business. You and I are super passionate about that. And it's folks like you that are also out there, like fighting the good fight, like trying to help people and, you know, all rising tide rises all ships. Right. And so I love what you guys are about. Where can folks learn more about you and the book and short-term shop and all that good stuff. So you can find 
me or us at theshorttermshop.com. If you'd like to become a client, you can follow us on Instagram at the short term shop and the book is available everywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books Million, all that stuff. If you like the brick and mortar thing, which I do. And um, also on the Bigger Pockets bookstore. Awesome. Love it. And the last question that we like to ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Learning by doing, um, just not getting caught up in shiny object syndrome. And uh, eventually the best way to learn is just by jumping in there and doing it. Do more research than I did on my first one. I told you that story already, but you just, eventually you just have to jump. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Well, Avery Carl, thank you so much for being here. Truly appreciate you. And, uh, Make sure you go check out the short-term shop, grab the book. It's a wealth of knowledge. Avery's great. Um, they've got a seriously awesome company and uh, they're just out there fighting the good fight. So thank you again for being here. Truly appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Take care, everybody. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.